as we come to honor the Most Holy Trinity on this Trinity Sunday, it is for us to rejoice in this gift of the revelation that God has bestowed upon us, the central mystery of our faith, that God is three and yet one, three persons in a single substance, not three gods, but rather three persons in one God, this mystery that is impossible for our mind to untangle entirely, and thus it's a mystery. But this forming that wonderful foundation of all the rest of the mysteries of the gift of our faith and all the other things that we are able to understand about the gift of our faith, all of this coming from that central mystery, the revelation of God himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As far as to ensure that also in the midst of the celebration that we pray to the Holy Trinity and that this is a common thing for us as Catholics, the Holy Spirit is indeed a unique person from the Son and is unique indeed also from the Father. And the same can be said of the other two. Each of the three persons are persons in the Blessed Trinity that we engage with in an individual manner. And the reality is, though, that, that sometimes we're not exactly sure, it seems, who we're praying to. It seems that we're sometimes more comfortable praying to God in some general sense than to God the Father, to God the Son, or to God the Holy Spirit. There's some kind of blob out there in the universe that we pray to. This, of course, is a great tragedy because God is not just a thing. He is a person. He has come to reveal himself to this. And it's this great revelation that we're called to respond to, to engage him as a person, three persons. Just to ensure that whenever we pray, that we speak to him truly as he is. As Catholics, we have a tendency and a preference, it seems, for our rote prayers, our memorized prayers, the things that, that have a consistency for us. We all know that we can come to Holy Mass and we can know the responses and the gestures. We can know the things that are going to take place and we can seek to understand them and enter into them, participating within the quiet of our own hearts or with our voice as the, as the liturgy calls us. And it's for us to know these things and we take consolation in these things. It's for us also to know that there are a whole variety of prayers that we rejoice to have as holy cards or holy books or these various things by which we're able to simply to, to enter into devotional life of the church, the litanies that we can pray, and the prayers that have been composed by saints and pontiffs throughout the centuries that are for edification of our souls. And all of these are good and holy things, and they each can properly orient us towards these persons of the Blessed Trinity. But it's for us also to acknowledge that there should be a spontaneous prayer as part of our prayer life as well. And this, I think, is where many Catholics feel a bit inadequate, at least in the public forum, because the fact is, if you take most Catholics and you put them in the public forum and you invite them to pray, we default to Our Father or Hail Mary, because those are comfortable things. 
We don't have to worry about, uh, you know, trying to, to make sure that our prayer is theologically accurate, that we, that we mention all three persons of the Blessed Trinity and, and ensure that we conclude with our Blessed Mother and unless we forget St. Joseph and then possibly our patroness and then, of, of course, our guardian angels. And, we, you know, we don't want to leave any of them out, right? And as we're kind of praying spontaneously and then and you start praying to the Father and somehow end up speaking to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit kind of weaves his way in there. And it's the fact of, of these things that, that, you know, sometimes you, you just... You just don't know what even to say because we're so used to our rote prayers that, that what do I even say? How do I say anything? And it's the fact that, that again, the temptation is then just to, to lean upon our rote prayers, our memorized prayers, the things that are comfortable to us. And again, it's not a bad thing that we know them. They should be a part of our, of our spiritual life. But as, again, to understand that there should be a place within each of us in our prayer that is a spontaneous prayer, that is a prayer from the heart, that is able to engage the good Lord ourselves, not simply to pray as someone else has prayed, but to pray as we are called to pray. And it's the fact that whenever we pray, whether it's in our, our personal devotions uh, that are taking place perhaps here at Mass, or before Mass, or afterwards, or in a holy hour, or at our homes, or our daily times of prayer, and whatever manner it is that we go to pray, there's a thought that sometimes we expect that we are supposed to pray as angels. We are supposed to have no distractions. That we're supposed to ignore our senses entirely and to seem to not even have them and to have no imagination, to have no memory. To set all of these things aside is sometimes a temptation of, of what our prayer is supposed to look like. That it is supposed to be simple and, and absolutely untouched by the world around us. But this doesn't seem to be really possible for us. Because if one is able to be entirely without distraction, wholly and completely, I would suggest that you are either an angel or a machine. Because humans get distracted. It's part of our very nature. God has made us with a body, and he's made us with interior senses as well. All of us have had, I think, the experience of going to pray, and something happens around us that our exterior senses pick up, and it changes the course of our focus. It can be sitting there in the, in the, midst, of, in the midst of prayer, and you hear a noise, a child crying perhaps, some people talking, a fire truck passing by. Sometimes we're in the church, and in the midst of the quiet of the church, a gunshot will ring out, except it's not a gunshot, it's just somebody um, just allowing the, the kneeler to fall uh, totally unrestrained to the floor, and everyone's heart skips a beat. These things that in the midst of, a, of, of profound prayer can, can pull us away from, a, from, from the Lord and distract us for a moment. To this also we can add the, the other senses, the fact that sometimes there's a smell that you know, takes our minds somewhere, or very often the, the things of our eyes. I remember celebrating Mass one particular day and, you know, celebrating at the high altar, and it came time at the, for the Eucharistic prayer, and there's a light switch in the sacristy that controls these lights up here at the top on the front beam. Uh, if you turn one of those light switches on, it activates some of the lights that have a short in them, so they just kind of flicker like you're a strobe light at a discotheque. And I was celebrating Mass, and, and the switch was flipped on, and the lights started flickering. And it was the most difficult time praying with Eucharistic prayer because all I could see was bright blue, dark blue, bright blue, 
dark blue, bright blue, dark blue, as the light went on and off, on and off the entire time. It's the fact that, that we have these, these things and what happen around us, that something moves and we notice it. A small, a small crack in the ground or a, a, you know, a little notch in the pew, and our mind goes somewhere with it. Any of these things are fair game for our mind to go any of 10,000 directions. And sometimes it's not our senses and the exterior cements, but it's the interior. It's that our mind does all kinds of things. It's the fact that, that we, can, we, can, we can think of it, you know, see a particular thing, and our mind wanders off in 10,000 places. That we can, look, we can be looking prayerfully and piously at an image of our Lord, of Our Lady, of some of the saints, and next thing we know, we're thinking about bacon, and we don't know how we got there. I remember explicitly one time I was leading Vespers. I was leading evening prayer for the seminary community, and I was sitting there, and it was right at the end of the semester. In a couple of weeks, I was to be driving over to, to Orlando to begin my hospital chaplaincy, and in the, from the time of the end of the Glory Be, at the end of the Psalm, and to the time of the Antiphon, which I was supposed to lead the community in responding to, I had literally packed my bags in my head, packed my bags, planned my route, figured out who I was going to stop to see in Pensacola, where I was going to stay the night, and who I was going to see whenever I got to Orlando. And then my friends afterwards were like, what in the world did you do in evening prayer? Where did you go? And I said, Orlando, where did you go? It's the fact that our minds, they go places sometimes. And it's certainly in the midst of leading prayer, in the midst of being prayed with and, you know, praying amongst others, it's easy for our mind to go places. I'd be willing to bet that I'm not the only person in the church who has begun the second mystery of the Holy Rosary and looked down and found my fingers somehow on the fourth mystery, and I know not how. It is our humanity that comes. It's the fact that we have these things that come to distract us. And sometimes we think that, that whenever we are distracted in prayer, that we're, that we're bad at praying, or we're bad Catholics, or we're bad, you know, you know all these, these kind of thoughts that will come to our mind that we just can't get it right. But the fact is that none of us will ever be freed from distractions. And it's not part of our lot in this life. We are not machines and we are not angels. But the fact is that it is not for us to ensure that we are never distracted, but it is our part to ensure that when we are distracted, we return back to the Lord as quickly as we realize it. It is not to entertain our distractions. It is not to be able to, to simply let them go and to, and to just kind of give it free reign with, without any hesitation. It's whenever we recognize that something has pulled our attention away from the Lord, it's to be able to turn back to Him once again. This is the call of, of the life of prayer. This is what St. Teresa of Avila, you know, talking about distractions in prayer, her call was to say, you know, whenever you find yourself distracted, turn again to the Lord, and again, and again, and again, and again. And if a thousand times in the midst of a holy hour, our mind is distracted by, some, by something in the world or something around us or within us, if a thousand times we turn away from the Lord, a thousand times we can choose Him again and choose to love Him more than we love that thing, to give our attention to Him more than to give our attention to that thing. This is simply to be able to love the Lord and to choose Him over whatever it is that otherwise would take us away from Him. It's an act of love, and that's what prayer is supposed to be. 
If you, intend, if you spend your entire time in prayer, fighting the best that you can against the distractions of the world around you, and you continually seek after the Lord with diligence in your prayer, it's still good prayer. It's not as if one has prayed poorly just because distractions happen. It's to acknowledge them, to accept that they happen, and to continue to turn back to the Lord. Sometimes, though, the things that are distracting us are actually the things that should be the content of our prayer. And this is another piece of our praying as humans. Sometimes, sometimes whenever we come to pray, there's something that has happened that we need to deal with with the Lord God. It's the fact that, you know, it's a very often that I, come, that I come to pray, and my temptation has been to bring my phone with me so that I can make sure that whenever thoughts come to mind, if I need to do this, I need to do that, that I can put it in my phone. And my spiritual director said, stop putting it in your phone. Put it on a sticky note instead, perhaps, if need be. But don't bring your phone with you to the church or to the chapel. Yes, Father. <laughs> Good idea. At that point, I'm letting distractions in. But it's, it's, the, it's the fact that, that my temptation is to be able to come and, and to spend time thinking about things that are happening, thinking about the organ, thinking about the cafeteria, thinking about the a pastoral situation that I have, thinking about, you know, what to do about this, that, or the other thing. What's my homily going to be like tomorrow or today or, you know, 10 minutes from now? These thoughts that can come to mind, and sometimes they are the things that, that I need to speak to the Lord about. And the unfortunate thing is, sometimes whenever we come and our mind is full, we simply think about things in the presence of the Lord rather than speak to the Lord about the things in our mind. And this is another piece of the importance of prayer, is to ensure that we don't simply kind of think in the Lord's presence, to read a book in the Lord's presence. So sadly, I've seen people read the newspaper in the Lord's presence. I always wonder what's going on there. But to be able to, to do these things is, is more importantly to engage the Lord in the things of our minds and our heart. Rather than to think about what I'm going to do about that situation, to turn to the Lord, to look at the Lord in the tabernacle and go, Lord, what should I do about the situation? And then listen to see if he responds in some manner. Sometimes there will be, there will be a response, and sometimes there will be a, a quiet movement of the heart. Sometimes he'll speak later on in the scriptures or in a, you know, a, a, a reference in some manner. And sometimes he doesn't speak at all, but I've at least given the opportunity. It's to allow these things to engage the Lord in this conversation, to speak to him from the heart. And not only with the things that are happening around us, with projects and, and various other tasks, but also the, the, the emotions of our heart. Emotions are not bad things. Emotions very often are simply flags that are kind of raised in our mind and our heart that says something needs to be dealt with here. If we come to a holy hour, if we come to pray, and we are intensely angry about something, or we are intensely sad about something, or that we have just kind of a, a, an excitement about the day, or any of these kinds of things, these might be good things to be able to tell the Lord, because He might actually want to respond to them. There have been many times where individuals have, have come and expressed, especially towards the Lord, these very strong emotions. People who are angry with God, or resentful with God, or they're upset and they're not really talking to Him. They're people who feel like they've been hurt by the Lord or abandoned by Him, or they're being pushed too much, or you know, we know, we've all heard that God never gives us more than we can handle, and sometimes we think the Lord has forgotten that applies to us. 
And so we're upset about things. And the number one response that I give pretty much to every one of those questions is, have you told him about it? Have you told the Lord these things? Because if we don't speak to the Lord about the things, especially in our relationship to him, we are shortchanging ourselves. We're staying in our own minds and distancing our own hearts from him when in fact he is inviting us to come close. He wants to respond to us. And that's not just with him. If there are other things that are going on, because the fact is that very often the things that are, that are most troubling our heart are the places where God is recognizing something is not right here and you need my help. But you keep relying upon yourself. So it's to bring these things, whether situations, whether emotions, whether whatever, and to bring it to him and to speak to him. And as we speak to him, is to ensure that also at the end of these things and sprinkled throughout, uh, ideally, would be times of silence. Times where we can simply listen to him and wait for his response, wait for some response, or at least to ensure that we haven't filled the entire time with a monologue. How easy it is And unfortunately, how many times I have counted a holy hour as being a time where I went and I prayed my bravery, and then I read a book, and I talked to the Lord about the things that were going on. I didn't really give him a time to respond. I just kind of rattled off my list of things that I'm concerned about and frustrated about, and he needs to do something about. Then I said, this is good prayer, Lord. Time's up. Go to the office. And he said nothing in response because I never gave him the opportunity to even say a word. This is poor prayer. It's a monologue. Prayer requires of us a conversation with God, a place where He is able to speak and we are able to speak, and responses can be made. And lastly, to ensure that when we pray, that we persevere in our prayer, because there will be temptations not to do so. There will be days where we're too tired, where we're sick, where someone else is sick, where we just don't want to, where we're, we're so angry we don't go to prayer because we're angry and we know we're not supposed to pray when we're angry, or at least we think so. We're upset about this, that, or the other thing. A whole number of reasons, a thousand and more, the devil will use to try to dissuade us from prayer. Perhaps we've been distracted a lot in prayer lately, or things have not been as they ought to have been in our head or that you know, we feel rather down in prayer. You know, there's not much consolation. We're not feeling much about it. Um, simple point. Emotions are the worst judge possible about the value and quality of your prayer life. In case you're ever wondering, it's not about how you feel. It's not. We like to think it is. It's really not. And sometimes we allow those feelings about prayer to push us away. But it's for us to persevere in prayer. Because our relationship with the Lord God is just like every other relationship that we have in some way, in that it has peaks and valleys. There are times where prayer is easy, and there are times where prayer is incredibly difficult. There are times where we would rather do anything in the world but pray, and there are times where we would rather do nothing but pray for hours on end, and many times all we're somewhere in the middle of these things. It's most important for us that we persevere in our prayer that we persevere in this communion with the Lord of opening our hearts to Him and allowing Him to to convert us. 
to transform our hearts to be more and more like that of the Lord's. And so this is our invitation for us today. It is the Lord's day. It's a day for time and prayer. It's a day where where the Lord God has told us to rest, not to be busy about things, not to be going from place to place, consumed with all sorts of worries, consumed with, with doing this, that, or the other thing, but to allow our hearts to rest in the community of others, but especially in community with him. It's for us to be able to speak to him today, to ensure that time is made for him, especially today, to speak to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to allow the Lord to continue the conversion of our hearts, the sanctification of our souls, to the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.